thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role. Post a job today at LinkedIn.com/fool and get fifty dollars off your first job post. It's Thursday, March twenty-first. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, it's industry focus host Shannon Jones. Thanks for being here. I am so excited to be here, especially on today, Chris Hill. Thank you for having me today. Um, we've got a legal battle in the candy industry. We've got CVS experimenting with cannabis. Um, those take a backseat to the story of the day, and this is why, for those who are wondering, well, why is Shannon Jones on? Because you know she has her own show that she's busy hosting uh, every Wednesday, hosting the healthcare show on Industry Focus, and it's because that. From time to time, the news fairy shows up, and every once in a while, the news fairy shows up with news that makes someone in my position go, oh, it's not just that we need to talk about this, we need a specific person to talk about this. And uh, when I walked over to Shannon's desk this morning, she turned around and looked at me and said, I think I know why you're here. You're here because of Biogen. That's right. Today's story is all about Biogen. And what I can, I think, comfortably say is the biggest, most anticipated binary event in biotech for 2019. We didn't think we would get data from Biogen on their Alzheimer's drug, aducanumab, until 2020. Well, we got news and we got it today. Basically, they have shuttered their late stage phase three trials for this drug. It was an independent data monitoring group that said basically this drug works no better than placebo. Biogen and partner Eside decided to shut it down. So, for those unfamiliar, and look, even someone like me who is not invested in the pharmaceutical industry, even I have an awareness of Biogen by virtue of how long the company's been around, how big the company is, or I should say, how big the company was, because shares of Biogen are down nearly 30% on this news. Um, at one point, analysts were saying, this Alzheimer's drug, if Biogen makes this work, this could be doing ten to twelve billion dollars a year in revenue, and now it's going to be doing zero. And this is at a time where Biogen has basically placed all its bets on this one drug. They've got a core multiple sclerosis franchise. This franchise has been in decline over the years, really just due to competition. It's such a crowded field out there. Um, but even more importantly, they've been able to kind of offset the decline in that franchise with just one drug, and that's been Spinraza. Um, for those that listen to Industry Focus, we've talked a lot about that drug. But Really, the story for Biogen is like, where is your next big growth opportunity going to come from? And for a lot of investors, a lot of analysts, they were hoping it was going to be this Alzheimer's drug. As you mentioned, 10 to 12 billion in annual peak sales. I mean, that's huge. Right now, for Biogen, there's nothing in its pipeline that was as late stage and had such a tremendous opportunity as Aducanumab did. So, this is a huge disappointment, not just for the company. Obviously, for investors, but even more so, really for patients, the Alzheimer's failure rate for new drugs is 99%. Chris, I mean, the the odds were stacked up against the company. So you would have thought they would have diversified much more than they have. But to say this is a disappointment is really an understatement at this point. So yesterday, Biogen was a 63 billion dollar company. Today, it's a 44 billion dollar company. That's still something. That's still so much bigger than almost every other company in the public markets, or certainly the vast majority of them. 
You say they've got nothing in the pipeline. It's like, how dire is the future for Biogen? Because I, someone like me, who doesn't really know anything, says, well, they're still worth $44 billion. They must have something going on. Or are they in more trouble? Like let's start with this. The stock's down, when we walked in the studio, 29%. Are you surprised it's not more? Yes, just because so much was riding on this drug. One of the problems is that their pipeline, they actually have a pretty deep pipeline. The problem is it's an extremely risky pipeline. So they have more products for Alzheimer's. They've got a Parkinson's drug on their pipeline. Probably the riskiest pipeline in all of biotech. So when you're looking out long term growth opportunities, if they can even hit on one of these targets, then yes, it certainly justifies having such a huge market cap. The problem is, though, because it's so risky and they don't have a ton of late-stage assets that can very quickly diversify and de-risk the pipeline, that's really the big question mark. So for me, I'm looking at, okay, Biogen, now is the time to really get aggressive in terms of your business development. There are a ton of small players out there. Hello, Neurocrine Biosciences. Hello, Sage Therapeutics that just got approval for a postpartum depression. All of these smaller players that fit right into their CNS, their, their neuroscience-focused pipeline, I think, could plug in. So I'm hoping that they'll actually do some bolt-on acquisitions sooner rather than later. Or the other option on the table, of course, is once you start really piling on the failures, once you start having just a very risky pipeline, you become a takeover target yourself. It's kind of like either eat or be eaten in biotech, and I think that's kind of where Biogen is at. Reminds me a lot of Celgene just a few years ago, too. So, you don't, it sounds like you don't look at this stock drop as a buying opportunity. Not yet. I'm really curious to see what the next growth lever is going to be. I do love the fact that they've been making some smaller acquisitions, certainly not you know big transformative acquisitions. They did one recently in gene therapy with Nightstar. I like that they are trying to branch out. Um, I would say, if anything, maybe this is a good hold until we get a better idea of where that next big growth lever is going to be for Biogen. CVS announced it has started selling cannabis-based products in eight states. These are topical products, uh, lotions, creams, sprays, etc., being sold in Alabama, California, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, and Tennessee. Is this a good move for them? I think so, Chris. I really do. I think um, with CVS, they rolled out, I think it was last month, that they were going to be exploring and piloting this Health Hubs concept. So, CVS has really been trying to build out and really make it a name for itself with this health and wellness trend that's going on. Um, and so, in addition to you know the Minute Clinics and the pharmacy, now you're talking about staff dietitians there, you're talking about you know yoga there. Inside of a CVS store, I think this makes a lot of sense. This deal, I think um, it makes more sense for Cureleaf, who is actually going to be supplying all of these hemp-based CBD. And I think that's an important distinction. This is hemp-based CBD, which was made legal due to the Farm Bill that was signed in 2018. But really, for both companies, you give number one Cureleaf the opportunity to actually go mainstream with the CVS deal. And for CVS, you can play on this health and wellness trend. So I did a double take when I. First saw this headline because it was really just um, I didn't realize they were referring to the headline I saw didn't refer to well these are topical yes um, because I vividly remember five years ago when CVS came out uh, February of 2014 and announced two things one we're changing our name to CVS Health and because we're moving more in the direction of health we are going to stop selling tobacco 
in our stores. And the stock fell, I think, about five percent that day, which for a company of of CVS's size was, you know, kind of a lot. Uh, and because CVS, yes, they've got the back of the store business, the pharmacy business, but they were selling a couple billion dollars worth of tobacco products at the front of the store. So I, at the time, I thought, well, this makes sense if they're truly going in the direction of health, but there's obviously going to be some short term pain in terms of top line revenue. With this, you know, and by the way, in the intervening five years, we've seen CVS Health do well as a stock and then sort of come back down to the point where it's I think it's basically where it was five years ago. So, how much more should we expect them to go in this direction? Because they clearly need to grow their top line more, and this could be one way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely still a company in transition, um, and the company's been very, um, I think, honest and transparent about that. I expect the next couple of years to be relatively slow as they transition away from just being, you know, the largest uh, drugstore chain into more of this overall health and wellness brand and really becoming a one-stop shop for all of your health needs, which is what they're attempting to do. So, I think, you know, in the short term, we're still going to see some some headwinds there, but I think long term, you're starting to see where they're going. I think this deal with Cureleaf makes a lot of sense on both ends. It certainly sounds to me like it makes more sense than Trying to convince people to do yoga inside a CVS. <laughs> Can't say that I would sign up for that. But you know, it's interesting um, being an analyst on um, our marijuana service. We've been talking a lot about with now the farm bill being in place, which of the marijuana companies would actually begin to make the pivot into you know mainstream retailers. Didn't expect it to happen this soon, but to see Cureleaf doing this, I highly anticipate. All of the other retailers are also thinking about a hemp-based CBD strategy too. So I think this is probably um, the first of many such deals happening with a lot of these CBD and marijuana companies too. And is it these eight states because of regulations in those states, or is this something that could be rolled out even further? Yeah, I think they're starting small with these eight states, and that's something that CVS has just been doing in general. But yeah, starting in the markets like California, Colorado, where it's already legal and the regulatory framework is a little bit more clear, there's still some regulatory uncertainty. Because again, as you mentioned, these are just creams and topicals. Ultimately, what they want to do is really start going into edibles and beverages, and that's where the regulatory framework has to be put in place. It's not there yet, um, but you can see that they're starting to make their, their way into that. But yeah, it makes sense to start small, start in the states where you know you can actually get traction easily. But actually selling marijuana cigarettes, we should not expect that at <laughs> Do any point. Do not expect that, okay. that will not happen anytime soon. <laughs> uh, quick shout out to LinkedIn when it's time to hire for your small business. Naturally, you want to find the best person for the job, and the odds are that that person is on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role. People come to LinkedIn every day to learn and advance their careers, so LinkedIn understands what they're interested in and what they're looking for. And that means when you use LinkedIn Jobs to hire someone, your matches are based on a lot more than just a resume. Your LinkedIn job matches are based on skills and background. Of course, they're based on skills and background, but they're also based on interests, activities, and passions. Network affects people. It's like with Etsy today, it's like eBay back in the day. Sellers want to go where there are the most buyers and vice versa, and that's why you want to be on LinkedIn. Post a job today on LinkedIn.com slash fool, and you'll get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Um, quick 
shout out to Mark Goldman, uh, one of our listeners uh, who I ran into on Sunday. Uh, I was doing a couple of races in DC, and uh, Mark was doing the announcements. And so when I crossed the finish line, uh, you know, they call out names for people when they cross the finish line, and uh, called out my name, and then proceeded to do basically uh, an impromptu promotion for Motley Fool podcasts, which was which was wonderful to hear. So thank you to Mark for that. Um, thank you also to Jason Newman. Uh, I was in New York. Earlier this week, and I got a chance to catch up with him. Uh, and thank you to the dozens of listeners who very quickly in the last 24 hours pointed out that dock jumping is a thing. Got who knew? Got some, well, the listeners knew. <laughs> I didn't know, but the listeners knew. Uh, Austin Morgan, our man behind the glass today, he knew. But uh, yeah, got email from people, got a bunch of tweets, videos. So, so that was great. Um, we've got a battle brewing. I shouldn't even say brewing. It's on in the candy industry, and it is uh, happening specifically in the lollipop industry. So, for anyone, really, I was going to say anyone who has children, but really anyone, anyone in America probably is familiar with lollipops, with what's available in terms of brand. You got the Dum Dum lollipops, the little ones. Tootsie Roll, a much bigger company, has Tootsie Pops. They've got Charms, the Blow Pops, all that sort of thing. Um, Dum Dums, made by the Spangler Candy Company, a much smaller company, uh, filed an injunction against Tootsie Roll, and a federal judge has ruled in Dum Dums' favor. Basically, the judge ruled that the packaging that Tootsie Roll has been using for its Charms Mini Pop Lollipops way too closely resembled the packaging for Dum Dums. And I get it for the Tootsie Roll people. I get it because I've looked at the data. I actually did some research on lollipop sales in America and found out that, you know what? Um, Dum Dums, they're selling better than Tootsie Pops or Charms Blow Pops. So the Tootsie Roll people are like, how do we get some of that mini lollipop action? And they went a little too far with the packaging. Can I just say, Chris, I'm, I'm shocked that Dum Dums. Is actually got more market share. Was at least growing faster than Tootsie Roll. Is that is that accurate? Where did you get this data from, Chris Hill? Because I don't know that I trust this. A little thing <laughs> called the internet. Um, you're, really, you're surprised at uh, Dum Dums because they're like they're they're small. Look, we've both got kids. Yes. Dum Dums. You can buy like a million of those. Like <laughs> they're in, cheap. in a bag. They're cheap. They're small. And the appeal, if you're a parent, is okay. It's candy, but it's a little bit of candy. It's not like some like a Charms blow pop. That like you could. Choke but that's on what that the thing. kids want. That's what they're going after. Is the big blow pops that have stuff on the inside of them. So it's shocking to me that that Dum Dums. Right, and and the winner here. and Tootsie Roll, I think, was operating under that <laughs> thinking for decades, where they said, "Well, of course, kids are going to want what we're selling because our lollipops are bigger, and there's something in the middle of them." And then they looked at the actual data and said, "Wait a minute, what if we start selling?" I love this. I, I love that this is happening. I I can't imagine for one second that. Uh, Tootsie Roll is just going to take this lying down. I'm sure they're going to appeal this. So, so have we officially entered the era of the candy wars with Dum Dum and Tootsie Roll? Is I, that what you think is happening now? I think that's happening. But the candy, and well, much like the industry that you um, follow every week on Industry Focus, um, which is a vast industry, when people talk about healthcare, it's like, well, what part of the healthcare industry are you talking about? The candy industry, it's like, well, what part are we talking about? Are we talking about the chocolate <laughs> part? In this case, we're talking about the hard candy part. Um, which is ruled by Jolly Rancher, 
But then, you know, yeah, I, th- I think I think the hard candy war is um, is on. Is on I'm just I'm just more shocked that you were able to somehow create an analogy between healthcare and hard candies. I didn't think <laughs> that that was even possible, Chris. So I am impressed with that. <laughs> Look, show me a pediatrician's <laughs> office that hasn't. Maybe they don't do this anymore. Maybe more, it's, it's about stickers. But for when I was a kid back in the 1930s, <laughs> you go to see the pediatrician, and you know uh, if you were good, you, you got rewarded with a lollipop. That's true. Even the banks have stopped offering them now. Thankfully, the barbershop has not stopped. That is true. The barbershop yeah. has not stopped. <laughs> um, you should be listening to Shannon Jones every week on Industry Focus if you're not. But you know, you should only listen to Shannon on Industry Focus if you want to get more informed about a little thing that we like to call the healthcare industry. Uh, thank you for being here. Hey, anytime, Chris. Always fun. Uh, real quick before we go, uh, someone mentioned to me, "Hey, you know what you haven't mentioned in a while? You haven't mentioned the podcast swag shop." So for those who are unfamiliar, we have a, a podcast swag shop. If you want to check it out, we sell coffee mugs, we sell Sweatshirts. t-shirts, we sell hoodies. You can go to shop.fool.com to check that out if you're interested. If you're looking for a little swag, you can check that out. We do not sell hard candy on there, Yet. although, well, we're, we're not. You think you think our lawyers want us to wade into this now? No, we're not. I'm not. I, one of the one of the things I pride myself on in my tenure at the Motley Fool is, for the most part. I have not run afoul of our legal department, and so I'm not looking to do Yet. that anytime. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking to do that anytime <laughs> soon. So, um, so yeah, if you're looking for some swag, check it out at shop.fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.